1: This is Pete Vecchi. I'm one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and it's good to be with you today for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. On our panel today, we have Steve Wilson, who is a Christian author with a Master's of Divinity from United Theological Seminary, and also Mick Wells, who is co-host of the Cross Connection radio program and who has been part of the Wells of Salvation ministry since 1980. What we do here at Reconciling Grace is we talk about topics or talk about Bible passages that uh, we just kind of like to expound upon. And hopefully when you hear this program, you will not just enjoy it, but glean some information from it. Actually, we really want you to grow closer to God. Or if you don't know Jesus Christ, we hope that you'll come to know him when you listen to these programs. Today's topic is kind of along the lines of, I guess we call it the definition of sin. And Mick, you're kind of gonna take the lead on this. Would you say that the definition of sin would be an appropriate title for this?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a basic framework versus a lot of peripheral questions uh, concerning what it, what it is and how you commit it, what's the consequences uh, of, of sin, what, uh, what are the ramifications of unconfessed sin, It's just a a very commonly used term, and so I thought it was probably going to be a good idea just to hone in on what the Scriptures say and what God thinks of it. One of the things that I think of when I hear the word
1: sin is that um, it's a word that probably everybody... Has heard, at least if they speak English and they're they're more than a few years old. But I think people have different understandings of what it means. And I've said this many times in, in my ministry that uh, in the church we speak Christianese, mm-hmm. you know, because we use terms and words and phrases that we tend not to use very much outside of the church. And we just expect that people know what we're talking about when perhaps if they haven't been in church maybe for quite a while or even if they've been in church they might not really understand just what it is we're talking about so i think this might be a really interesting uh subject to tackle so mick why don't you uh kind of share with us what you have today
2: well first thing that came to mind uh, is that uh, a lot of people do use the word whether they're coming from a perspective of of being a christ follower Um, The secular world out there that doesn't go to church, that may not even believe in God, has Christians under a microscope, and they're quick to point out what they call sin, so they must have some awareness of right and wrong. But uh, it's one of those words that's tossed around a lot, and I kind of question whether everybody's meaning the same thing. So it's worth a look, and the first thing I thought of was a, a lyric from a... A popular song by Loggins and Messina. It says, the old folks say that you gotta end your day by ten. If you're out on a date and you bring it home late, it's a sin. There just ain't no excuse and you know you're gonna lose and never win. Well, there's a song talking about sin under somebody's definition. So I got to looking in the uh, the scriptures and the root words for what's translated as sin and you know, in, in Christian circles, you've probably heard sermons about the word love, and in, in the Greek, there are four words for love, three of which are used in in the uh, New Testament and the Septuagint, but uh, <clears throat> there, are, if you talk about love, people mean many different things, Right. and you have to kind of peel it back to know what it is. So I got to looking up uh, the usage of the word sin in the Bible. And, you know, someday I think we'll probably do a a program, as Steve has suggested, on versions of the Bible and which one's right and so forth. So a lot of versions of the Bible talk about, uh, they use the word sin, but you have to go back to what Greek word or Hebrew word were they citing when they translated it to sin. But here's a couple stats just to throw them out. In the King James Version of the Old Testament, the word English word sin appears 336 times. In the New Testament, the Greek word uh, for sin, or sin is the English word used for Greek words, 112 times. You get to the NIV and it's somewhat similar, the New International Version. So I found that there are are various Hebrew and Greek words used to describe sin. For example, in the Old Testament, there are six nouns and three verbs in Hebrew that are used to describe sin. And then in the Bible, to include the Septuagint Greek words, are five nouns, five adjectives, and three verbs all dealing with sin. So you can see there's potential for all kinds of shades of of meaning, but we want to start out talking about what sin is, and there is a place in the Bible uh, that actually tells us what sin is, and, and Steve, would you share that with us?
0: Sure. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Everyone who sins breaks the law, In fact, sin is lawlessness.
2: And, uh, you know, Christians, in Christendom, we're consistently comforted by the fact that we're under grace and not under law. So what does sin mean to us? What do you think? uh, If sin is lawlessness, does that have any bearing upon how we're to live our lives? What do you think?
1: That gets into a rather deep theological understanding, I think. Um, Lawlessness can have different meanings, I believe. Um, Just as sin can have different meanings. It depends what is your standard of judgment, if you're asking me. Um, Everybody has sinned. Nobody, except for Jesus Christ, has ever followed the Old Testament law perfectly. So everybody has sinned. Jesus not only did not sin, but he fulfilled the law. Fulfillment of the law included that sacrifice which was necessary for forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, those blood sacrifices were repeated over and over and over for people who sinned and they would sacrifice animals. Jesus became that sacrificial lamb who died once for all to forgive our sin. So when we talk about lawlessness, if you're under the Old Testament law, it can be breaking of any single one of the many, not just the Ten Commandments, but the many codes and the many other sub-laws that follow from those Ten Commandments because you're not following it perfectly. Yeah, Um. I'm like. thinking
0: about yeah. thinking about lawlessness in the sense of people who pay no attention to the law. They, you know, think that the law doesn't apply to them, and so they live like no one has given them a set of rules. Well, the fact is, we do have a set of standards that we're supposed to follow, and if you act like you know, you can do whatever you want to do you're going to be breaking that law that God has given us mm-hmm. in some way or form.
2: Sure. Uh, Romans 3.20, I think, speaks to the point you're making, Steve. Um, it says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, and here's the purpose of the law, I think, for the New Testament folks and to include ourselves here in the Christian era, it says, Through the law we become conscious of our sin, uh, there's a lot of debate out there now uh, about the Ten Commandments, you know, most of it deals with posting them in public places and so forth, but God made his values known, the moral code known in writing, for example, through uh, those Ten Commandments. And so the law is good for this. Uh, the law uh, makes us conscious. Of our sin. It codifies, if you will, right and wrong. Now, um, I found another reference here in my research says, that the truth is that sin as defined in the original translations of the Bible means to miss the mark, quote-unquote. The mark in this case is the standard of perfection established by God and evidenced by Jesus. Viewed in that light, it is clear that we are all sinners. And Pete, I think you were going to share with us the uh, seminal verse on that. Right. It says in
1: Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, why I like the fact that you talked about the missing the mark, because really, my understanding is that that is actually an old archery term. Mm. To sin yeah. means to miss the mark and that's where that, that word is derived from. I'm talking old, old, old archery term is to miss the mark and that's what we do when we try through our strength to try to follow that law without the power of the Holy Spirit within us to guide us, without Jesus in our lives, we're going to miss that mark every single time.
2: I, I Absolutely and uh, you know what the Bible tells us about our own righteousness. We, uh, the Bible says it's as filthy rags. I don't think we are, I'm confident, we are humanly incapable of living up to that which satisfies the standard, which is the holiness of a holy God. And so uh, <clears throat> I think if you dwell on that, meditate long enough, you can more fully appreciate what Jesus has done for us because he paid the penalty for what we are incapable, humanly speaking, of, of keeping, the law. So, um,
0: And that was the whole point of the law, right? Yeah. It's to show us that we can't meet that perfection. Right. We can't do it. Exactly. God can tell us all the rules, all the things that we have to do. It's right there, and yet we can't do it because of our sinful nature. And it took Christ... The, the one who was without a sinful nature, to be able to do that for us. And and so the whole Old Testament is really just a lesson to us, mm-hmm. showing us that we cannot be righteous in our sinful nature.
2: Right. And oh uh, well, just think of what it would have been like for the Israelites to try to keep all those laws and commandments. Uh, it would have been, well, it's a wonder that they, they would have, probably all been on an antidepressant, you know, because they knew it was impossible, yet it was incumbent upon them to, to follow all these and, and offer animal sacrifices for sin and so forth.
1: Right. And one of the laws that we have to follow is that we have to take a break for our sponsor. So we'll continue this discussion in just a few moments. And we're back with today's episode of Reconciling Grace. We're talking about sin, and Mick, you've kind of been leading us thus far. And where would you like to go from here with our
2: discussion? Well, I want to recall uh, this conversation I had many years ago with my dad. For starters, Dad was a minister in three different Christian denominations, and he and I would often talk about spiritual things and. There were a number of things we didn't agree on, this was one of them. My dad believed that uh, when he got saved and probably implicitly sanctified in the Wesleyan tradition, uh, their belief, that he was not capable of sinning, that Jesus would have taken away his sin nature, and so, well, that piqued my interest, and I started asking him some questions and I said, Dad, if you were to lie to somebody, uh, wouldn't you consider that a sin?" And Dad said, no. I said, well, how do you think of it? He said, it's a mistake. <laughs> it's not a, not a sin. So, um, you know, as, as you said, Pete, and as you've read from Romans, uh, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, I believe Paul adequately described his struggles with uh, the temptation uh, to sin. So I'd like to throw this out there, uh, as born-again believers in Jesus, are we still capable of sinning? And uh, Steve, would you uh, share with us 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 6?
0: It says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him.
2: Wow, that's sobering. And I think that's the verse that dad largely hung his hat on. Uh, what do you think of that?
0: Well, I hope Christians can still sin because I do, and I uh, consider myself a Christian. But I think the key there is who keeps on sinning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's when God talks to me and, and moves in my heart through the Spirit and convicts me of something, I need to stop. I need to make every effort to stop. I need to let, you know, the Holy Spirit strengthen me so that. I can break that habit. Um, so it's you know, am I sensitive to listening to God and 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 breaking that sin, or do I just eh, keep on doing it? No problem?
2: Yeah, that's uh I think that's key. Uh, the Holy Spirit, as I understand, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us, but he does convict us and make us aware that, hey, you've crossed the line, you've missed the mark as we talked about. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, Pete, I'm going to ask you to share First John chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, sequentially, this verse comes before the one uh, or ahead of the one that uh, Steve just read, but I, I think it uh, is an acknowledgment of what Steve's talking about.
1: Right. And here, uh, John is writing this to a group of believers. believers I, I yeah. want us to understand that he's talking to a group of believers, and he says this, "'My dear children.'" I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense—Jesus Christ, the righteous one.
2: Yeah, that's that's been of great comfort to me. I mean, we have we have an advocate uh, right there with God the Father. Jesus is pleading our case. Um, what do you think? This it, this doesn't talk about confession here. Do you think Jesus does this whether or not we confess? I think that so often
1: there are so many different understandings of sin, as you kind of pointed out at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. There are the sins that that people think of who who may not have any Christian background or any Judeo-Christian ethic, but they understand sin. They understand sin is wrongdoing. Then you can get to different... uh, denominations, different understandings of Christianity. And so that question you ask us is basically I think it kind of depends on what you understand sin to be. Now I, I, I wish that I was omnipotent. Maybe I wish I'm not omnipotent. Maybe that'd be horrible. But the 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 fact is we are responsible, I believe, for the light in which we have been given. So if we understand something to be sin, then for us it is sin. Mm -hmm. Um, It might not be a sin for somebody to spit on the sidewalk. But I remember specifically when I was in college, first of all, I should say that I grew up playing baseball, and baseball players spit, and that's one of the things I used to do all the time. And I know it sounds funny now, but I was in college. I had recently given my life to Jesus. And I was walking through the campus one day, and I saw this older guy. When I'm saying older, I don't mean he was old. He was probably you know, a professor in his 30s or something. But he was walking down one of the sidewalks of the campus. He's wearing his suit and tie. And I saw him... (laughs) And just spit right in the grass. And I'm thinking, boy, that looks pretty gross. And, and it was as the Holy Spirit said to me, and so what do you think it looks like when you do it? Mm. And that point got me to say, I'm not going to be spitting anymore. And it took a while to, to overcome it. Spitting isn't a sin, Jesus spit and made mud from the saliva and put it on a man's eyes and and healed that man. But for me to do something that God tells me, no, don't do it, then that would have been sin for me. Okay.
0: I uh, often say that when Jesus died, he forgave me for all the sins I've ever committed and all the sins I'm ever going to commit as long as I keep my faith in him. So I'm not going to remember to confess every sin that I commit. I'm just, I'm not going to. You know, sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit's going to convict me and I need to have a conversation with God about it. But, yeah, I think Jesus intercedes for me whether I remember to ask for forgiveness for that individual action or not.
2: And I think that kind of leads me to the, the next point I wanted to make which is kind of sobering to me. Uh, A couple questions here, is all sin willful? Is it possible to sin accidentally? And if so, how do we become aware if we've committed an accidental sin? Now, I can can see, I mean, I can comprehend in, in my feeble human mind that if, if I've done something by accident, I may not even be aware of it and I couldn't confess and I'd be relying upon the grace of God. Um, the Bible does tell us, uh, which I, I think would be a wonderful banner for uh, a program entitled Reconciling Grace, First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I guess what concerns me is, can I commit a sin accidentally? And I'll throw it out there, what might be a couple examples of that kind of thing? My former district superintendent in
1: the Church of the Nazarene, used to talk to us. He said, I couldn't say this while I was still district superintendent, but now that I'm retired, I always used to hear this as I was growing up, he would say. He said, if you're truly a sanctified Christian, if you're one of those people who has just done the laundry and you've put it on the clothesline and it all falls into the mud, you're going to say, praise the Lord. He said, (laughs) no, I'm not. And I think about the times when you might blurt out something you shouldn't say if you hit the wrong nail, like the one on your thumb, instead of the one you're trying to pound into the Uh, wood. (laughs) Those kind of things happen. Uh, We can sin, meaning miss the mark, definitely without knowing it. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices made for unintentional sins. Now, Jesus died for all of those, and what I'd like to point out is that Maybe what we need to look at sin as is not so much, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong. But what is the broad idea of sin? And I think in the New Testament, the biggest, broadest idea of sin is that we will miss the mark if we do not give our lives to Jesus. That's the big one. That's the bottom line. So as Steve said, our sins... Are forgiven. As you just talked about with John saying, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that that's talking primarily to the non believer because that's what the non believer basically needs to do. I don't think the non believer necessarily has to point out every single sin that he or she has committed in order for Christ to forgive them. I think instead what Christ is looking for is that relationship with with him which will then reconcile us to god the father
2: well i think it goes along with the old adage that it you can't be you can't take the time to get ready to come to jesus some people w- don't have enough lifetime left to go out and make restitution for wrongs they've done and and come to to god jesus says come as you are and uh, i i believe i i agree with you pete um
0: we, we come as we are, and then it's a growth process. Yes, yes. Yeah. So as a Christian, you know, I might be trying my best to, to live uh, to the glory of God and, and to live in a reconciled relationship with God, but I don't know everything that's a sin, right? I, I, might, be, um, I might not know the Bible very well. I might not understand it. And so as I continue in my faith, the Spirit is going to tell me new things that I need to work on. And even though I I did those things before, yes, they were sin. They were missing the mark. They weren't up to God's standards. But God's not going to hold those things against me until he tells me, hey, Steve, by the way, let's not do that anymore.
1: Paul talked about that. He said, I would not have known what it meant to covet until I heard the words in the law, do not covet. Mm-hmm. And then he said. Then he was overcome by all kinds of covetous covetous desires, and so it, he became conscious of sin, which is where you kind of started out today's episode was talking about that that the law was put there to make us conscious of sin.
2: Yeah, um, I think Jesus has done everything uh, for us that we need uh, to live in that relationship you speak of, Hebrews 10, 26 says if we deliberately keep on sinning, emphasis on deliberately, um, after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. In other words, what more could Jesus do? He died on the cross for us and um, I think the key here is we need to be conscious of what displeases God. We don't deliberately thumb our nose at God and and keep on, on sinning. I had another pastor one time who said it this way. He said,
1: if we are saved and sanctified Christians, it doesn't mean we will never sin, but it means that if we do sin, instead of running away from God, we go running to Him that much more quickly, because we know that that's the place to go, and... He does forgive
2: us right i've um, I've heard people talk about uh, they knew they were sinning they 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 had it before them, maybe it was uh, lustful thoughts or something, and they're basically saying, "God, I know this is a sin, but i 'm going to do it anyhow and I think you've got two problems there <laughs> one is the 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 bad thoughts themselves, which uh, is contrary to the uh, values of God. And the other is to consciously say, God, I don't care what you think of this. I'm going to do it anyhow. I think there's a confession needed for a couple things there if the Holy Spirit convicts us that we're in that kind of situation. I kind of hate to stop
1: this, but I'm looking at the time and seeing that uh, we're going to have about one minute left here. And the the problem is, I think we've just scratched the surface of sin. I think there's a lot that all of us could talk about. I think, Mick, you were just about to, to maybe even bring up something about, well, how does the uh, Christian deal with intentional sin? Um, some people would say that you've lost your salvation if you have intentionally sinned against God. Um, other people will say, no, 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 your sin is all covered, future, past, present, and don't worry about how you live. I don't think either of those is right for the record, but um, you know, we can talk about this another time, I think, because we're going to be having to step out here. Um, I do want to let people know that. If you're interested in in having maybe a question or a topic discussed, send us an email. You can send it to our Reconciling Grace email address, which is rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. Make sure to spell out the and in faithandfriendsradio.com. Again, that's RG, which stands for Reconciling Grace, RG at faithandfriendsradio.com. And if you would like to contact us about anything else, if you'd like maybe one of us to come to your church or speak to your group, let us know. Send us an email to that same address, rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. This is Pete Vecchi. It's been our pleasure to be with you today. May God bless you.
0: This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.